This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now. The latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It's time for a Thanksgiving edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Thanks for being with us. Uh, no turkeys here, just me, Scott Goldbranson, your host, along with my co-host, Mo Moten. Mo is the senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report covering the NFL. He also is a Raiders columnist up on sportsnot.com. You can follow him on x.com at momoton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. You can also catch my work where I am an editor and a writer at sportsnot.com as well. All right, Mo. Well, happy Thanksgiving, man. I know uh, we, 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 we haven't talked about food much on the show this season because we've had so much going on with the disaster that was Josh McDaniels. And now, <laughs> since Antonio Pierce took over, a little more uh, happiness. And the Raiders are 2-1 and one in that time. Uh, but uh, I know your food takes are very popular on uh, the internet, uh, especially when it comes to cheesecake. By the way, I was at I was at a store the other day, and they were selling mini Junior's Cheesecake, which if you're from New York, which Mo is, you understand what Junior's is. And I just thought, oh my gosh, Mo would like fall over and have... A fit like knowing that there's many cheesecakes even i mean is that is that not an abomination on top of an abomination i would have to find the fire extinguisher and uh <laughs> do what i have to do with that mini cheesecake collection they got there i it it's funny because it was brought up on the x on tuesday night i believe i believe our friend jared bailey who broke down the steelers with us before the steelers raiders game he had cheesecake as one of his top five thanksgiving foods 
Oof. Yet, yet he says mac. He, this is the same guy that says macaroni and cheese is not a Thanksgiving food, but cheesecake is. Make it wow. make sense, people. Make it make sense to me. That's that's fascinating. I I I think I've maybe seen cheesecake, but it was like a pumpkin cheesecake. But but even then, I, yeah, I I wouldn't agree with that. But then you know the the country is so culturally mixed <laughs> and diverse. You know, I I was just talking about this the other day on our uh, our Not Zone show, which is our NFL show for Sports Not with uh, my host my co host Ryan Dyrud from LA Football Network. And we were talking about food because he's married to a Mexican woman. His wife is Mexican. My wife is Cuban. So like when we were dating and you went over for family holidays, first of all, my wife's family always had it on Wednesday because they all worked in casinos in the service industry. So they worked on Thanksgiving, most of them. So you'd have a day early, but it was all Cuban food. So we had pork and we had yuca and all this other stuff. So the idea, uh, but but when it gets down to kind of Americanized Food, macaroni and cheese, cheesecake, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I've never heard that, but hey, each to their Listen, own. Listen, I've been to different homes on Thanksgiving. I've been to a Puerto Rican household on Thanksgiving. And, you know, I, I've never had cheesecake. Never had, never, <laughs> never seen a cheesecake on the table or on the menu. Seen panini, panini uh, which is pork. Yeah. Uh, we've, I've even had coquito before mm-hmm. Christmas for before December before the holiday on Thanksgiving. Uh, for the people who don't like eggnog, I'm not a big fan of eggnog. I know the eggnog is out there already in the stores. Keep it on the shelves. But I've never, I've never been served cheesecake at a Thanksgiving get together dinner. You could pick up right from there. So I've never, I just never had cheesecake on on the platter or on your on the menu. So I I don't get where cheesecake comes in. I wouldn't eat it on a regular day. I wouldn't eat it on a holiday. I wouldn't eat it on my off day. <laughs> but keep just keep it away from me. I love. Did you did you say? I got to rewind a second there. You're talking about eggnog, which like I'm not an eggnog guy either. Mm-hmm. But I like to have like one glass a season. That's it. Just one little small tiny. Get a little taste. Put a little bourbon in there. That's it. Like that's it for me. Just one. So like buying a carton for me is not going to work because we won't finish it. Nobody else in the family drinks it. But did you call them eggnoggers? I, I did not call them eggnoggers. Oh, I but thought you that's did. Something... I thought you said eggnoggers. Like you coined a term. I, I think we can use that because they deserve their own separate category <laughs> for drinking that disgusting beverage. Or you want to oh call my it. gosh, that's too funny. But <laughs> either way, uh, thank you guys for being with us on Thanksgiving. Hopefully you're with family. Maybe we, we offered you a respite. Maybe... When the mother-in-law or the cousin or somebody was bugging you and you needed to bug out a little bit and now you're outside or somewhere in your car, in the bathroom, and you're listening to us just to get a little respite. So happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Hope you're having a great time. And we're thankful for you. Thankful for the listeners and the viewers up on YouTube here as well. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you don't already do so, by the way, uh, wherever you get your audio. And then if you're with us on YouTube, hit the subscription and the notifications bell too. Uh, interesting stuff going on. Look, the Raiders are getting set for this game against the Chiefs. And we talked a lot last last episode about the defense, right? And, and what this defense is going to be able to do. Now, I'm going to get into this a little bit later, but I see a lot of folks, that a lot of our listeners, a lot of Raider fans who talk to me online, 
they have, I think they have a very false sense of who the Chiefs are. They feel, I'm hearing this, well, the Chiefs aren't very good. The Chiefs aren't as good as they used to be. Now, there might be a little nugget of truth in there as far as numbers go, but eh, we'll get into it in a second. But Antonio Pierce, the coach, um, the defense, and so, so what's going on? Because that's been the storyline. The storyline has been the defense because the offense has not performed well. And um, I thought this audio was interesting because I think it goes to why this team has been playing hard for Antonio Pierce, even before he was the head coach, by the way, going back, as you reminded everybody last episode, the, that he was the linebackers coach, remember, and you see what's happened with Robert Spillane, you see what's happened with that unit. And uh, he talked to the media on Tuesday and he talked about kind of, he was asked, you know, why is this, is, is, is schematically, have you changed something? Have you, have you evolved? And I thought his answer was unique and 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 just offer some insight. So here's Coach Pierce talking about the defense and why he feels that they're performing so well and a little bit of color, too, about uh, the players, obviously, that he wants to praise. Here we go. All right, so Antonio Pierce on the defense. The mindset's there. You know, you got, you know, we talked about the energy with Max Crosby and the intensity of spilling, uh, spill. But what you're seeing now is 11 guys just hungry, flying to the ball, everybody being very uh, – eager to make a play, to contribute, to do their job. You know, nobody's going out of the box. You know, we're, we're doing everything in our wheelhouse. And I think PG's calling a great game, you know, allowing our guys to be comfortable to start a game. And then as we get uh, a, a kind of a flow of the game, then, you know, we bring out our bag of tricks. But I think overall, you know, between the coaches and the players, what you see is guys really trusting what we're calling, believing what we're calling, and executing. Well, there you go. Uh, trusting and believing, Mo, what they're calling um, is huge, right? Because I think that they got over that hump somewhere around the LA Chargers game, in my view. I keep bringing up that game because I think that's sort of, for me, when I saw it sort of click for them. Not that they've been perfect. But um, talk about what he said there and that idea of of just going out, doing what you're doing, but trusting and believing what you're doing is the right thing. I think one confidence plays a part in all this. We talked about as soon as Antonio Pierce took over, there was a new energy in the locker room. And I think it's not just for the offense, but also the defense. Not that the offense isn't holding up its end of the bargain right now, has to score more points. But you're seeing it on the defense. And I say this about sports in general. If you ever play a sport, whether professionally, on the collegiate level, or just out in the park with your friends, anytime you play defense in most sports, it's all about energy and want to. I've played a lot of basketball, you know, in my lifetime and it's, and coaches would say it's about energy. If you don't, if you're not a person who wants to play defense, you're going to play lousy defense. <laughs> you have to put some real effort into it. And I think it's different in football because it's a more physical sport. There are more things you have to pay attention to what coverage you're went you're in, what alignment the other team is in. But I think it still boils down to energy and want to, and you know, on offense, you can have a start. You need, Typically, you're going to need a star wide receiver or a star quarterback for your passing attack to be high level. You don't necessarily need stars to have a great defense or a high level defense or a top 10 defense. As he said, you have to have 11 guys who are, who are on the same page and want to make a play and provide that energy on the field. So that's more of the philosophical response from me having played sports. But when you play on the defense side of the ball, basketball, football, hockey, you know, you have to want to play your position because everyone wants the, the, the glamour and the spotlight of playing offense. You score points. People are cheering game winning goal, game winning shot, game winning touchdown pass. All of that is great. 
defense usually doesn't get the same type of praise the offensive side of the ball gets. But when you take pride in playing defense, I think the Raiders do that. And I'm not saying they, they didn't before. But when you have that energy and you take pride in what you're doing, you get better results. Yeah. And, and I think that goes back to the leadership, too, though. You, you trust in your leadership. You trust in your coach. Right. And and that's a big deal because uh, you have to when you go you, the, the war analogies always come up with football, you know, because it, it is the terms gridiron and attack. And, but it is you're going into battle. Right. And you want to follow the guy into battle you feel is going to lead you the best way. So so you have to respect that, too, about where the Raiders are with Antonio Pierce as their interim head coach. And and I think, too, that we, we gave praise to Patrick Graham uh, last episode, and I think that it, it deserves it again. Now, that said, it's a week to week league, folks. Uh, it's all over now. Now it's all about the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Chiefs, as again, as I said, some people underestimating, yes, they lost to Philadelphia on Monday night. A close game. Um, really should have won the game had uh, had the receiver, um, Scanley, caught the ball. It was a touchdown, right? So, mm-hmm. But that's the way it goes. When you don't do it um, and, and you don't have receivers that are quality enough, uh, that's the way the, the ball bounces, man. Don't forget Travis Kelsey's fumble inside it's the 15-yard line. So. Yes. Chiefs had some self-inflicted errors there. They did, they did, and that, and they've they've had them all year too, right? So, so we'll get into the numbers on the Chiefs here in a second, but uh, I think that this has the oppor- the opportunity that the Raiders have on Sunday against the Chiefs is a huge one that they cannot overlook. Uh, and again, we don't get into the big must-win game stuff, but if I'm the Raiders, I'm I, I if I'm in their mindset, I would think this is a must-win game because this has the the opportunity to to really, I think, uh, uh, set them up for great success towards the end of the year. You mentioned last show about how the schedule isn't exactly daunting towards the end. It's not easy. No schedule in the NFL is easy. But you do have the opportunity, if you can get past this game and win it and go into the bye at 6-6, six and six, to feel really good about yourself uh, facing the Chargers, the Vikings, the Colts, right, and the Broncos who are surging as well. But uh, it, it sets up nicely for the Raiders there too. So the other thing is if the Raiders win this game, that that's a big feather in Antonio Pierce's cap as the interim to say that I, you know, I deserve the job. Look, we yeah. can compete with the best team in the division. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's interesting because uh, I love the way that Antonio Pierce has handled the little adversity that he's had since he took over, which of course was the loss to the dolphins. I have my doubts too, which I'll get into uh, after we come back from the break, um, just based on, I think, the interactions I'm seeing uh, and the questions that are asked and not asked, because there are things to solve and and I think there's still a honeymoon phase going on. But uh, we'll get into that in a second. I know people will, oh, you're being negative, but I'm just going to bring it up because you got to bring up all of it, not just the good stuff, but also the questions. And we'll do that coming up after the break. Uh, You're with Scott and Mo. This is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey Original Podcast. We are coming back right after these words. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. 
Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back. It is segment two. This is Silver and Black today. The Thanksgiving edition. Hope you're having a wonderful holiday with your family, loved ones, friends, far and near. Hopefully they're near you and you're having a good time. So thank you guys for spending at least a little bit of your time with us either on Thanksgiving or maybe you're listening to us on Friday. Either way, we are an Odyssey original podcast covering the Raiders. You can subscribe wherever you get your audio. Turn on that auto download for us. We appreciate that very much. You can also hear us, as you may right now, uh, on a Saturday on the ticket. Excuse me, the ticket. The If I can always that. The bet, not the ticket. <laughs> See, when you bet, you call it your ticket. That's where my my head was going. The bet in Las Vegas, an Odyssey sports station there. So you could hear us there too. All right. Mo, so I mentioned before the break, and I know uh, here's where the comments are going to be. Oh, you're negative. Listen, Antonio Pierce press conferences, uh, great. You know, And again, I've said it. I've said it. We're not supposed to root, but I root for the guy because I like the guy a lot. He's taken on... An opportunity here, which uh, it, some people never get the chance in their lifetime. Um, but I'm listening to the press conference, and um, you know the questions about the defense we played is cut in the first segment, which is great. Um, the troubles on offense, though, I don't hear a lot of questions. I don't hear a lot of. Um, I don't know what Antonio Pierce is thinking about that. I don't know. He he mentioned it earlier in the week a little bit. They talked mostly about Aiden O'Connell, who's a rookie, who's gonna who's gonna develop and and have his lumps. Um, but I think as a head coach, you know, those are the types of things you can do too. The media is being very jovial with him. There's a lot of laughing, a talks about talk about music and cars and all that kind of stuff, which is great. You know, they're developing a relationship too. I understand that. I'm not criticizing that. But I do think that some of the hard questions um, are going to come up again because they're going to be facing the Chiefs and the Raiders uh, averaging a, what is it? They're 26 in the league in points, right? Mm-hmm. with uh, just under 16 or just over 16. Raiders are also 29th in total offense with 277 yards per game, 23rd in passing, and most shockingly, 31st in rushing. And so now you know what the problem is. <laughs> it's right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you look at that, and and um, I, I told you early in the week, I wrote a piece about, I think Antonio Pierce has to figure out how this offense works better or he won't get the job. And so 
I think he's going to have to start addressing those issues and talking about them. Look, he doesn't owe us an explanation of what's happening in the building, but he does, I think, need to talk about the recognition that they have to do something. Him and Bo Hardery got to figure at least what they can this year out. Uh, and and um, if there's any week to do it, it's this week. Now, you can – I'll say this. You can always ask Antonio Pierce about the offense, but I think some reporters – I haven't talked to these reporters, but I would think that some of these reporters would say they can only go but so far with questions about the mm-hmm. offense because Antonio Pierce is a defensive-minded head coach. So a lot of the offensive questions should be saved for a hard degree, in my opinion. Now, you can ask about general questions. You know, how is Aiden O'Connell looking in practice? What is he working on? Those are things that the head coach can answer. He doesn't have to get into detail of the offense because he's not going to have those details. Now, he's in all details. the meetings. He's right. in all the meetings, but he's not going to have a a detail. I'm, and I'm not discrediting Antonio Pierce's coaching acumen. No, but but it, the level of question that you can ask can only go but so far before you're going to probably hear him say, "Well, you're going to have to ask Bo Hart agree about that." Well, yeah, when you get into hardcore X's and O's, absolutely, Mo. But but he's in charge. He's 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 got to know enough to know what they're going to do and that it's being addressed. That's all. It, it's it's just like being the CEO of a company. Yes, he's not the the director, he's not the C, he's not the chief marketing officer, right? So he's not in the everyday marketing stuff, but he's got to know enough, right? To your point, you know enough at the very top level to know that you've been briefed by your people to know what's going on so that you feel good about where it's going. And then yes, the detail you want to get into the the nitty-gritty, then Bo Hardigree's got to be your guy. Um and that, then that opens up the question to, is Bo Hardigree capable of that? We'll see, right? We'll see that he's got an audition too. And we'll see if, if, if he's set up for success and he's got the ability to do that because I think, you know, he's got things going against him too, right? He's got a rookie quarterback and, and he's developing, yes, but he's going to make mistakes. It's not like you got a veteran in there, which makes things a lot easier, uh, and then he's got other issues. He's had offensive lines. Colton Miller's been out for two games. That's a big deal. So I, I, that's not lost on me. You know, you, you could people are taking it out on Bo Hardigree a little bit, and he's only been three weeks in. But at the same time, if the Raiders are going to go anywhere, they do have to figure something out. And uh, if they don't, then then it's going to be a long road. Absolutely. I, I've watched a lot of John Harbaugh press conferences. I've watched even Dan Quinn when he was coaching the Falcons, and and I realized when. Reporters ask questions about the offense. They're they're very general responses. So you can say, you know, what's going on with Lamar Jackson? What's going on with Matt Ryan when it was Dan Quinn in Atlanta? And they can say, well, he needs to work on this, this, that, and third. Because they watch these players at practice. Their defense is going against, you know, the quarterback and the offense. And I think when Antonio Pierce steps to the podium, and and I agree with you, there should be questions about the offense. Because if, if Pierce could come out and say, Josh Jacobs is the focal point of our offense. He can comment on the vision that he has for his football team on both sides of the ball. But I think when it comes down, you read the stats out before we started this discussion. And I, and I wrote a piece on sports, not that went up on, on Wednesday. And I said, unless the Raiders are, are two scores behind, they have to stick with Josh Jacobs. They have no choice. And I know people are going to say, what about Devontae Adams? What about Michael Mayer? He's emerging. What about Jacoby Myers? He had a good season while, while Jimmy Garoppolo was playing. I get all of that. But when you have a rookie quarterback and he hasn't had a handful of starts yet, 
he's not going to be able to use all of those weapons optimally because he's still learning the game. And as you can see, he still has some issues with turnovers. Now, all turnovers aren't the same, but the first thing Aiden O'Connell has to do is protect the football. Don't give the other team extra possessions. That's one thing I can right. say. Antonio Pierce could step to the point and say, Aiden O'Connell has to make better decisions in the pocket, but we also have to help him out as a rookie quarterback and get the run game going because that is still the engine of our offense. Right. And to me, Mo, look, they, they couldn't stay on the field against Miami, which was a problem. But in a normal flow of a game and against the Chiefs, Josh Jacobs has to have a minimum of 25 carries. Right. I'm just going yep. there. Now, usually it's about 20, but I'm going to say 25. Mm-hmm. He had 27 the previous two games when he did really well. So mm-hmm. you got to have 25 carries. I don't care mm-hmm. what's going on. Give him, mm-hmm. and you're dead on with that. Give him the ball. One yard, two yard, one yard, two yard, one yard, two. I don't care. Just keep pounding the rock because you, again, you limit the the opportunity for your quarterback to make a mistake, but you also make it easier because Josh Jacobs, unless it's just one of those really tough games. And again, the Chiefs, let's, let's, let's get the card out. Let's look at the numbers. The Chiefs against the run, it's the worst part of their defense. Yes. They're 18th against the run. Okay. They're fourth against the pass. So guess what? You're not going to get a lot of passing success. I'm Look, anything can happen. I get it. But the Raiders game plan has to be run the ball because you have to go at the softest part of their defense, which is the run defense. And so if you don't get the ball in his hands and, 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 and you just walked right into what, what I was wanting to talk about, which was and why I brought up the Pierce and the offensive questions and the, the media did mm-hmm. ask questions about the offense earlier in the week. But the idea mm-hmm. there is, is what are you going to like, is there recognition? I just want to see recognition that, Hey, you know what? And he said it before he's the engine, like you said, mm-hmm. but then it went away. So um, I'm hoping that he's had to talk with Bo Hardigree say, Hey, listen, Bo, you're the guy running the offense, but guess what? That's the engine. And if it's no engine, then we're, we're, we're moving the car with our feet like Fred Flintstone and it's not going to get very far. <laughs> It's funny, Scott. It, it, I felt like you read my Sports Not article because in the article I said the exact same number. Did Josh you? Jacobs has to get 25 plus carries. I used the exact same number. I said he has to get 25 carries. I also pointed out your your um stat about the, the Chiefs' run defense. The weakest part of the Chiefs' defense, though it's I believe third in points allowed and fourth in total defense. The weakest part of that that unit is their ability to stop the run over right. the last seven games. They've allowed an average of 120 yards, 20 rushing yards in a contest. So while they have Chris Jones, while they have George Karloff, the, the third, excuse me, while they have Michael Dana, those guys have combined for 20 sacks so far this season. You can counter an aggressive defensive front with an effective run game. And I think the Raiders can find some real estate on the ground. But as you said, as we both agree, 25 to me is the magic number as far as Josh Jacobs and his carries are concerned. The thing is, the Raiders don't have much of options behind Josh Jacobs. I wrote about this in the piece up on Sports Night. If it's not Josh Jacobs, who is it going to be? Because Demir White is averaging 3.7 yards per touch. Amir Abdullah is not really involved in the run games. He's more of a pass catcher. He's never had more than two catches in a game this season or hasn't had two catch- more than two catches in a game this season. So, it's, it's Josh Jacobs or bust in that run game. But one thing I want to point out before we move on is that I noticed in that Philadelphia Eagles-Chiefs game, there's, there's one thing that the Eagles did, and people say 
halftime adjustments are bogus. And I call BS on that because in that game, the Eagles, while they were running the ball, okay, had a decent per clip with uh, DeAndre Swift. The passing game wasn't going in the first half. Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. struggled to move the ball through there. And as you said, you're not going to get a lot of yards on this Chiefs pass defense. So what did the Eagles do in the third and fourth quarter? They started passing the ball to DeAndre Swift. And if you remember, we talked about this on Tuesday's show that if the run game doesn't get going, short passing game to Josh Jacobs to get him going, you can get some yards out of that. And that's what the Eagles did in the second half of that game on Monday night. Right. Short passing yards, but not behind the line of scrimmage. Yes. Like we've seen in past yes. games. Uh, and yes. also, I do think this is where you take, a, you take a, a page right out of the Chiefs playbook and you go to your tight end. You do you do you do the little slants over the middle to the tight end, the middle. Like that's the one thing we saw towards the end of the game against Miami was they were using Hunter Renfro out of the slot and he was doing those little sit routes in in the middle. Okay. Like you got to use the help your help your quarterback out. I'm hoping they've learned from that because they're gonna need that to your point, especially if the, the run is stymied at times. Um, then, then you got to go to that. You got to make it easy. Let them try. And you, and we talked about it, even though they don't have the team speed, they are running a yards after the catch type offense. So Mm -hmm. who's going to have a better shot of doing that, um, on the inside. And that is going to be Renfro. That's going to be mayor. I think that's what you got to do. So we'll see if they're able to, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, the offense has to get going. I have my doubts and we'll talk about that in the final segment as we, as we give you our kind of predictions uh, when we come back, but that's that's it's it's pretty there. So read Mo's article, basically, is what I'm saying. Go to sportsnot.com, <laughs> read his article, because clearly we're on the same plane. And, and it's but you know what, Mo, you watch this team, you know this team well enough, and you watch the Chiefs and cover the league like you and I both do, then you you know, like you can see it, and it's pretty pretty easy. It's easy said, harder done, right? You you kind of go out and play that. Chiefs defense again, fourth defense, fourth ranked defense in the NFL. So when people talk so, about the Chiefs aren't as good as they used to be, they're better from a defensive perspective. Right. So that that's my point about the Chiefs. For you know, a lot of people probably have this misnomer about them because they saw them on Monday Night Football and scored 17 points against the Eagles. But I would say in some areas they are worse, in some areas they are better. And it's pretty obvious. They're a less explosive offensive team, obviously, now. Even they let go of Juju Smith-Schuster. And I know Juju Smith-Schuster isn't a star, but he was a veteran wide receiver who can, you know, catch passes. Now, you know, he's not a speed guy. Marquez Velasquez dropped that pass, but you can see that the wide receiver core for the Chiefs is average to below average. Average is probably being generous. That's being generous, but, yeah, I was going to say. But I, I said this during the Chiefs game, that, just because the Chiefs aren't as, as explosive or good in the passing game, their defense, as we talked about, is better than in years past. They have a much better defense this year than they have in years past. The other thing is they're capable of also running the football. Isaiah Pacheco is probably the angriest runner I've ever seen in the NFL. And I said this during the Chiefs-Eagles game, and people laughed at me because they said, oh, Mo, you're forgetting someone. I said the one player that the Raiders have to worry about is Isaiah Pacheco. I'm not saying I'm not worried about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is still, you know, top tier quarterback. I'm not saying I'm not worried about Travis Kelsey, who has a a tradition of killing the Raiders when he plays them. But what I'm saying is Isaiah Pacheco with the Raiders issues this year in run defense. And I know they've been decent in recent weeks, but 
They're 27th in rush attempts face. So that means teams have not run the ball a whole lot against the Raiders, but yet they're 27th in rushing yards allowed per game. So if a team commits to the run game against the Raiders, they could have some success. And I worry about Isaiah Pacheco getting going because that Eagles defense was the number one ranked defense in the league going into that Monday Night Football game. And Isaiah Pacheco ate those guys alive for about three quarters until the Chiefs fell behind. They had to pass the ball. Isaiah Pacheco had success against the number one run defense in the league. So you're going to tell me that you're not concerned about that Raiders run defense and interior front against Isaiah Pacheco. I would say you're out of your mind. Put some respect on that dude's name. 100%. And not only that, but they also, if the Chiefs can run the clock like that and run the ball that well, it's going to limit the opportunities the Raiders have on offense. There's not going to be all right. these possessions. You know, they, they had a ton of, they, they had possessions that they wasted against Miami. Yeah. In this game, if they waste possessions, it's over. Like it's, it's because if, if they establish the run, which I think they will, to your point, yeah, people talk about Derrick Henry, angry runner. No, but he's smaller. I get it. He also likes to celebrate after every single first down, which is annoying to me because it's like, really? It's too, dude, dude, it's just a regular first down. Just go back to the huddle. But anyway, he's excited. <laughs> he, runs, he runs hard and, and, and God bless him. All right, we're going to take our final break here on the Thanksgiving edition of Silver and Black today. When we come back, we'll get a little more into the Chiefs' numbers on offense because there's this misnomer that the Chiefs' offense isn't very good while they aren't very good at wide receiver. The rest of it's doing pretty well. We'll talk about that as Mo and I return. Uh, this is Silver and Black Today. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. It is Silver and Black today. We are back here in the final home stretch of this edition, the Thanksgiving edition. Yes, the Thanksgiving edition. Uh, all turkey, no stuffing. No, is it the other way around? We're stuffing. No. Sorry. We're back. We're talking Raiders football. We hope you're enjoying your holiday weekend. 
with uh, those that you love. Uh, and speaking of love, I love my co-host, and that is Mo Moten. He's here. He's a senior NFL writer over at Bleacher Report and a Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. Make sure you follow him on x.com at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully, the show SNB today. All right, Mo, the Chiefs. Why do I hear all these people, not just Raiders fans, by the way, I'm not picking on Raiders fans. The Chiefs aren't very good. The Chiefs aren't very good. Okay, back to my stupid little white card here. Chiefs, eighth in overall offense. Okay, so they're not number one or two. Okay, they have been in previous years. I get it. Not as explosive as you said last segment. But eighth overall in offense with 365 yards, 0.4 yards, per game. That's almost 100 yards more per game than the Raiders have, by the way. They're sixth in passing. That's dipped a little bit. I talked about their uh, 14th in rushing. And they're 14th in points, which is, the I think, the bigger surprise uh, there, which is, yeah, they're not scoring as many points as they used to. And then we talked about the fourth overall defense, fourth against the pass, 18th against the rush, and 16.4 points um, a game that their opponents are scoring, which is right around the Raiders average, is it not? So um, you look at this Chiefs offense, since we talked about the defense last segment, you look at this Chiefs offense, obviously wide receiver, glaring issue. But Travis Kelsey is a wide receiver, okay? I know he lines up at tight end, but you see him line up in the slot. He lines up outside. He goes everywhere. He had a fumble uncharacteristically. Also, it's interesting with Travis Kelsey. I want to get your thoughts. I'm going to go on a little wild card here. They did an interview with Travis Kelsey last week where he talked about the fact that he might not rule, he might not rule out retiring after this year. Um, injuries, all the stuff, you know, the grind of playing in the National Football League. And then he's dating some girl who apparently sings somewhere. So it sounds like, and then and then he goes out against Philadelphia in a huge game against his brother. And he seemed a little off as much as he could be off. Um, do you think the Chiefs need to be concerned about him? I wouldn't be. I'm the type of person where, I can deal with one bad game from a, a high-end, high-level player. If it's one game, okay, we all have a bad day at work, bad day at the office, right? It happens. Now, if there starts to become a pattern where he's dropping passes and fumbling in consecutive games and three consecutive games, then I'm concerned. But one game in in the rain, by the way, I'm not giving any excuses for the drops, but there was rain in that game. Usually he comes down with those passes uh, anyway. But my point is, if there's a trend, then I'm concerned. If you're a Raider fan, you want it to be a trend. You want Travis Kelsey to be on the decline. You want to say, look, this 34-year-old tight end that was crushing us in years is finally washed up. The Raiders don't need to have a double coverage on Travis Kelsey because he'll make his own mistakes and the Raiders can capitalize off of it. And finally, they'll be freed of the Travis Kelsey clamps and the Raiders will beat the Chiefs twice a year, every year for the next 10 years. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I, I think Travis Kelsey is going to come out and he's going to be focused against the Raiders because if you watch that interview post-game, uh, he looked pretty pissed off. And, and I guess the, the reporter wasn't trying to feed him excuses of why the Chiefs didn't play well. And he was like, look, we got to take care of the football, talk about himself, I can't fumble. We had some mistakes. He didn't blame other players, but just put it on himself. Like, look, we got to be better. And I got to be better. And I think if what we see on Sunday from Travis Kelsey is going to kind of be indicative of what we could see for the remainder of the season. If he gets back on track and he's still Travis Kelsey that we all remember, then he's going to be fine. 
But if he goes out there and he has two catches for 13 yards and a fumble or two or a big drop on third down, then the alarm bells start to go off. Then you start looking at his birth certificate. Oh, he's 34. Then you start looking at his social life. Oh, maybe he's partying too much with you-know-who. Maybe that's seeping into his game. Maybe he needs to cut down on some R&R time with, you know, Taylor Swift. Who knows? But uh, I would say that if you're if you're a Raider fan, you're rooting for Taylor Swift to keep Travis Kelsey out late before that Vegas game <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and then the one thing I'll say, too, and, and, and again, you don't have to like him. And I have this kind of feeling with Tom Brady. I'm not a big Tom Brady guy, but I respect what he did and how he played the game. Same goes with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. People can argue with me. I know now because Philly won, there's this big push out of the Philly media. Oh, Jalen Hurts is the MVP. No. CJ Stroud's more of an MVP than Jalen Hurts in my view. But nonetheless, he's not on the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but, But you look at Patrick Mahomes, and as long as Patrick Mahomes is himself and he's not injured and he's 100% even at 70% as he won the Super Bowl last year. Um they always have a chance. And and yes, receivers drop balls, he can't help that. It was very classy of him not to throw those guys under the bus this week because he understands that it's not their fault. You are who you are. The front office, the GM, the coaching staff put those guys on the field as your wide receivers, not the guys themselves. So so it was a good call there, but he just creates plays. I mean, even against the Eagles Look, he put the ball on the money. That was a game-winning touchdown, Mo. It was a game-winning touchdown. It just wasn't caught. So you can't ever, ever, ever sleep on Patrick Mahomes, no matter what the Chiefs are doing, no matter who's up at wide receiver for him, because he just makes it happen. He does, but I will also say he had an interception in the red zone early in yes. that game. And I will say the Raiders, now they had a lot of – chances to beat the Dolphins because they turned the ball over a lot. I think you mentioned this in the first or second segment. If the Chiefs turn the ball over as much as the Dolphins or more, the Raiders have to capitalize on those mistakes because good teams and playoff teams capitalize off of they score off of turnovers. As I mentioned on the show on 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 Tuesday, the Raiders scored six points off the Dolphins turnovers. Right. They have to if, if Patrick Mahomes throws an interception in the end zone, if Travis Kelsey fumbles in the red zone, if whatever happens, happens and the Chiefs don't convert on a fourth down and they get a turnover on downs, the Raiders have to get on the field and score points. I know it sounds simplistic. Score points, you win games. But the Raiders haven't been able to have been able to do that with any consistency. And it goes back to our earlier point. I think it starts with Josh Jacobs. Of course, you have to get Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers and Michael Mayer, Hunter Renfro involved, as you mentioned. But it starts, to me, it starts and ends with Josh Jacobs. If you can keep the Chiefs' offense off the field with the run game and sustained drives, we talk about complimentary football a lot on this show. We do. If you can run the ball, keep the Chiefs' offense off the field, sustained drives, and punch it in when you get in the red zone, you'll be in good shape even against the Chiefs' good defense. Absolutely. And and the last thing I'll say about Mahomes, too, because I thought you brought up a good point there with the red zone turnover, is – if you remember his second full year as a starter, Patrick Mahomes kind of regressed just a tad. And and part of the reason was um, it was because he was relying so much on his freakish athletic ability that he would try to do things sometimes that weren't made. They weren't good decisions. He would try to rely on the physical abilities. And I think that's what you're seeing a little bit this year with the frustration with the wide receivers, which he's never shown publicly, but obviously you can see it on the field is that he will try to make these incredible freakish plays 
and try to throw a ball into a very small window sometimes because uh, he doesn't have confidence that he may get another opportunity. And I think that's where you're seeing it. So again, opportunities will arise. And if they do, you have to take advantage of them and be able to do it. Also, just a couple things, Mo. Uh, Josh Jacobs needs three rushing touchdowns to go to move past Pete Banaszak into second in franchise history with career rushing touchdowns. So that plays into our game plan pretty well, doesn't it? Um, mm-hmm. He also needs 507 rushing yards to pass the great Mark Van Egan to move into second in franchise history in career rushing yards. Max Crosby needs two sacks to reach 50 career sacks and become one of just five players in franchise history to do it. So you talk about Max Crosby on the precipice of being a quote-unquote Raider great. He's almost there. <laughs> he's a young guy. He's got a lot of career left, hopefully, uh, but but he's almost there. It speaks to the career he's had, despite the fact he's not been on winning teams. Absolutely. I think it, usually you hear stats like this in the last two weeks of the season. It's funny. <laughs> we are already talking about these stats around Thanksgiving. So that's a testament to how how well those guys are playing. And the, these that's why these those two, along with Devontae Adams now, that's why they're the cornerstone players of this franchise. So when we talk about you know what can happen in the offseason, a lot of people are already assuming that Josh Jacobs won't be back. But I think it really depends on who gets the head coaching job because if it's Antonio Pierce, and, and we talked about Antonio Pierce saying that Josh Jacobs is the focal point of the offense, there's a good chance that Josh Jacobs could be back, especially while you're paying a, a quarterback next to nothing because I, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo – is going to be on the roster next year, regardless of who is the head coach. Now the Rays are still going to have to owe him some money, but they're not going to have to pay him the whole shebang. So they'd be able to save a little bit. And again, they're not paying their quarterback, whether it's Aid O'Connell or a rookie they draft very much. So you have room to re-sign Josh Jacobs and Max Crosby, of course, was already paid recently. Right. Yeah. By the way, Devontae Adams, uh, he needs 10 more touchdowns <laughs> to go past Tim Brown in career receiving touchdowns would make him ninth all time in the NFL, by the way. So 10 touchdowns with the amount of games left. It's going to be hard this year. We'll see if he does it um, as a Raider. It brings up a question. I'm going to throw you a little a little curveball here before we end the show. But we were we were in the chat for the Tuesday show up on YouTube, and there was a good discussion going on, a question, and it really is a good one. And, and what triggered in my head was what you just said about waiting on Josh Jacobs uh, as it relates to who the head coach is going to be, right? And, and what system you're going to have, what kind of offense you're going to have. And the question came up in the chat the other night, Mo, that would you, you know, the Raiders, knowing what you know about the Raiders now, would you put all of your chips on interior offense and defensive linemen in the draft, no matter where you are and ride with O'Connell, maybe a veteran um, and build the line first and then go get a quarterback or get the quarterback. If you're in position to, and it's the one you want, get the quarterback first. I opted and said, Hey, I get it. You have to build lines and the Raiders need help in both spots, but Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. If the quarterback's there and it's the guy you think can run your team for the next 10 years, that's the big if, then you have to get the quarterback first. Do you agree with me or do you agree with them on you need to do the lines first? The answer is the quarterback. Because look at what C.J. Stroud is doing in Houston. When he was putting up numbers, he was missing four of his five offensive starting offensive linemen. 
four of his five offensive linemen were hurt. I think one or, or two of them are still hurt or on IR right now. Once you get the quarterback, everything else becomes it becomes a lot easier to build the rest of your roster. You can have a great roster, but if you don't have the quarterback position right, you are going to struggle. You don't want to be the New York Jets. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. I know the Jets have their offensive line issues. The Jets have one of the best defensive lines in the league. Guess what? Guess what their record is, Scott? They're under 500, and they're right. struggling and heading down the tubes. Why? Because they don't have a quarterback. Now, they went out and got Aaron Rodgers, but he's hurt. So this is my point about building your lines and saying we just build the lines to get a quarterback later. The quarterback position is the most important position on your roster. Get that right, and everything else is a lot easier. As I said, look at C.J. Stroud. He was missing four-fifths of his starting offensive line, and he was still getting it done. If you, yeah. don't, if, you, if you don't have a quarterback, you can have a great offensive line. You can have a great defensive line. But if you're not scoring points, as we're seeing with the Raiders in a lot of these games, you're not going to win football games. Defense, a great defense can only take you but so far. Yes, your offensive line can be blocking well, but if your quarterback isn't making the plays, you're not going to score enough points. If you're in position to get the quarterback, get your franchise quarterback. <laughs> Look at the teams who have won Super Bowls. Outside of Nick Foles, these are, these are franchise quarterbacks who are winning Super Bowls. You look at what Jalen Hurts, he didn't win it, but he got the Philadelphia Eagles there. The Philadelphia Eagles had a good offensive line before Jalen Hurts got there. Got to As I said, they got there with Nick Foles, and that was a flash in the pan. But after that, they didn't get back to the Super Bowl until they got their quarterback. And they, as I said, they've had, it seems like the Eagles have had a good offensive line for about a decade. <laughs> the Eagles have, are great up front, offensive yes. line and defensive line. But why are they Super Bowl contenders right now? a perennial Super Bowl contender is because they got the quarterback. Well, and, and the point some of the folks were making, and I'm sure they're in the chat today too on the side here on YouTube is, is that you get your quarterback killed. Uh, and it's like, well, no, you, you, you do, you put the best offensive line you can put together, but look at Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow blew out his knee cause he ran so much his first year, but what happened in his second year, Mo with a pretty crappy offensive line, he was in the Super Bowl in, in year two. Exactly. And right, and so. and let's and let's be honest about Joe Burrow because I know a lot of people say, well, Joe Burrow's a franchise quarterback, and look at where he is right now. He's on IR. Joe Burrow has developed a his a, a history now of being injured. Yeah. I'm, he's starting to move into the injury prone category no where question. it's not just about his offensive line. He he's had multiple injuries now. He, he's had two out of his four seasons. He's missed six or more games now. So he's developing a track record, a pattern. So what I'm saying, go, going back to the question in the chat, and it's a good question because I see the debate a lot on the X, but you don't mess around. You get your quarterback if you can get him because that is the hardest position to nail down for a decade or more. You see teams constantly, constantly going through quarterbacks as a revolving door. By the way, you can get your quarterback and still build your offensive and defensive lines through free agency. Remember, the Raiders are not going to be strapped for cash next year. I believe they're going to be top 10 and cap space. So you can get your quarterback early with your first pick and still build your offensive defensive lines. I, one thing that peeves me, and I'm not saying the people in the chat did this, why does everything have to be either or? The Raiders could do both. You can get your quarterback right. and still build other parts of the roster. You don't right. just have one draft pick every year. Nope. The Raiders are going to have multiple draft picks. You're going to have a second round pick. You're going to have a third round pick. You're going to have money to spend. Get your quarterback and still yes. build your offensive and defensive line. And look what the look what the Lions did in three years. Three years. They right? didn't do from one being, thing at a being, time. <laughs> from being bottom feeder to now 
contending team. You have to say they're top three in the NFC, top five in the NFL. So, so, and they did it that way too. They did it through the draft and through free agency. They traded for, for golf. So like you can do that. You're right. It's not, it's not this, this end game of either or. Either or. It's no, it's and. Scott, I'm sorry, but it it just, again, I'm not saying the people in the chat did this, (laughs) but it, it, it burns my biscuits when it's like you. Ooh, well, you have to do this, or you have to. Do, you you have to do this, or you have to do that. If you if you dress the quarterback position, you can't dress anything else on the roster. I'm like, people, you get seven eight draft picks. Some yeah. teams get ten draft picks to build the roster. You get all of this cap space to build your roster. You don't have to do one thing at a time every off season. That's just not how it works. You do multiple things. And one off season, you get your quarterback, you draft the offensive tackle, you get a guard, maybe you get a cornerback. You can do that all in one off season. It doesn't have to be Absolutely. Do, get the quarterback this year, wait next year to do everything else. No, it doesn't work like that. That's right. Okay. Mo, with a couple <laughs> minutes, the couple minutes we have left, uh, and to allow you to breathe, um, <laughs> gosh, man, <laughs> game prediction now. Okay. So chiefs and Raiders. Uh, last time I checked, the Chiefs are still favored, and as they would have been no matter what, and still are, despite the loss. Uh, tell me how you think this game goes down, and give me your score prediction. Yeah, I, after after hearing me, a Raider fan is going to say, well, "How could you pick us to lose? Ma? How dare you on Thanksgiving?" You know, but <laughs> <You're> turkey. <laughs> I actually think it's going to be a low. Not a super low scoring game, but I I don't think it's either team is going to score more than twenty four points. It I it could be to me it could be a, a 24-13 type of game, twenty four fourteen type of game. I know Raiders fans aren't going to want to hear that because they're going to say fourteen points. But let's remember that the, I, in my opinion, the Chiefs defense is better than the Dolphins defense. So and and we talked about it today. They're going to struggle through the air. Josh Jacobs has to get going. But I think the Chiefs come out and win. There's going to be a sense of urgency after coming off a bad Monday Night loss, and they understand that if they lose, the Chiefs lose this game, you know, then they start to look over the shoulder at, at the Denver Broncos and the Raiders could be nipping at their heels. I think the Chiefs win it decisively, unfortunately, for Raider fans hearing this. And the Raiders continue to struggle with their offense, and we're going to be asking a lot of questions going into the bye week about how they can get the offense back on track. Yeah, good. I'm right in that same boat. I had 23-16. I think the Raiders score one touchdown and three field goals, same as they did last week. And um, I think the Chiefs struggle too. 23 is not exactly a huge number, but I do think that they run the ball consistently and they pepper it in to Travis Kelsey. Um, And look, I like the year Robert Spillane's having, but I just think there's going to be mismatches all over the field um, because of the team speed and because I just don't think they can contain Kelsey with who they have out there. Um, and again, the, the the only caveat here is it could go the other way if if somehow you get a little bit of lightning in a bottle on offense and and the Chiefs make mistakes. If the Chiefs make, and you said it earlier, if the Chiefs make mistakes like the Dolphins did last week and the Raiders capitalize on it, then this could be a flip-flop and you could see the Raiders score 23 and the, and the Chiefs uh, keep it low too. So, so yeah, unfortunately, uh, I know people are not going to like those picks. <laughs> Don't let us get you down on Thanksgiving. You can still be optimistic and you can come back and tell us we were full of crap if the Chief, if the uh, if the Raiders win. I'm okay Absolutely. with that. Yeah, it's totally fine with that. But that's how it goes. Mo, listen, man, I appreciate you very much. Uh, have a great holiday weekend. And we will be back at this early next weekend. You snuck it in there before I could respond, but I love you too, Scott.
I know you said it before I can even respond, but I didn't want to leave you hanging there. Holiday season, I'm in a festive mood. I'm going to have some ham. We call it dressing. We don't call it stuffing. Right. I'm going to have some lasagna. I'm going to have some red velvet cake. It's a, it's a good time of year. So as you said, even though we predicted the Chiefs to win, don't let us get you down with our predictions. Enjoy your holiday with your family. I had some red velvet cake yesterday. As a ah. Yes, sir. No, But rainbow cake's only for Christmas, right? Yes. Okay. Rainbow cake for Christmas, red velvet cake for Thanksgiving. If you've been with the show for a few years, you know what we're talking about. We'll talk about it as we get closer to Christmas, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mo. Take care, man. All right. You too. All right. That's going to do it for this Thanksgiving edition of Silver and Black today. We certainly appreciate you guys being with us here. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get the podcast. Put on the auto download. If you're on with us on YouTube, thank you for your subscription and for hitting the notifications bell. And a big thank you. And a happy Thanksgiving to our producer, Mike Robier. For Mo Moten, I'm Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black today. Enjoy your weekend, Raider Nation. We will talk to you post game on Sunday. Take care.